What's up, patrons? I'm here with John. We are about to solve race relations in America in an hour or less. We're here to talk about a white man's interpretation of Martin Luther King. This is <laughs> <laughs> the ninth installment of Christopher Lash series on the true and only heaven. How's it going, John? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we opened this chapter. I don't know what your reading experience is, uh, but this chapter is called The Spiritual Discipline Against Resentment. And it's a fascinating chapter. I think very fairly written, very thoughtfully written. It also, just a spoiler alert, really outs Christopher Lash as a middle-class proprietarian partisan. And there are some interesting tensions that show up with that. And it begins with a discussion of Reinhold Niebuhr, who we're about to talk about. And then about a fourth of the way through the chapter, you're like, oh, now we're talking about MLK and MLK's time reading Reinhold Niebuhr. And then I started going through the rest of the chapter and I was like, man, we're really going to talk about Chicago in the 60s, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of both halves of this chapter were sort of tragic to me. The second half we'll get into, but even with Reinhold Niebuhr, not someone that I'm that familiar with. So my experience with him was kind of reading this chapter, but you know, it starts out and they're talking, he's making like interesting points about how it's tough to situate yourself in this debate because it's like between a bunch of people who I'm not that familiar with, and I don't like really agree with any of them or like care much for any of what they think, mm -hmm. like liberal Protestantism versus like, some kind of weird response to that that's like also <laughs> not really like it's called neo-orthodoxy but like it's not orthodox you know what it's, i yeah, mean yeah it's like, not like it's eastern or greek or russian orthodox it's not like it's, not, it's yeah. just like that term as an adjective or something yeah. like not importantly so, lowercase so <laughs> yeah. yeah lowercase so or whatever and then there's people who are like yeah just like well, you know, like, okay, so like liberal Protestant theology is kind of like everything's just going to get better forever, like progressivism mm -hmm. or whatever. And then like the harshness of the world will slowly be ameliorated by like wealth and the nice things that are being accumulated. Stephen Pinkerism, basically. Yeah, but in a like kind of religious garb. And then there's the response to that, which is like politics is basically like a zone that we have to just completely forego because it's fallen and like to be involved in it is basically evil because you're going to have to do evil to be involved in it mm -hmm. and so like the only way to really like preserve yourself as a religious person is to not be involved and there's other positions as well but somehow to, kind of yeah just to clarify real quick i think the way that syllogism goes where it's just like if politics requires coercion and right. all injustice is inspired by coercion, then there is no way to commit oneself to a political life without committing oneself, at, however minimally, to enacting injustice. Right. And then you have Reinhold Niebuhr, who has kind of a lot of things to say about every side of that, which mm -hmm. was interesting about there's, there's like a sense that there's an early neighbor and there's a late neighbor mm -hmm. and an early neighbor sort of is trying to stake out a position where you're not a liberal. It's like, basically like, it's not all just going to get better, but you also can't forego politics because the political life is going, it's like necessary as a part of life. And so mm -hmm. you're going to have to coerce. So then how can coercion 
fit into this Christian schema of like you with you as like an American Protestant theologian, essentially, which is where this whole debate is kind of going on. And it seems like he enjoyed excoriating liberals (laughs) and being like, you guys are naive. Yeah, he liked taking the piss out of the typical people that would end up in the nation or the New Republic. It sounded like while being published by the nation of the New Republic, I might add. Yeah, <laughs> but he also wouldn't fall into the kind of cheap opposition, at least initially, mm-hmm. where it was just an unproblematic, like vehement yes to coercion or like renunciation of political life. Um, but that seems like late Niebuhr, at least by Lash, is telling he got more and more into his sort of political like rivalries with certain people mm-hmm. and movements and less and less did he retain the nuance of his earlier vision kind of to the detriment of his thinking. I mean, my understanding of Niebuhr is that like, he was sort of like, like neocons liked him. Because- yeah, totally. He was, yeah, he ended up being like a big, I think that's why Schlesinger makes an appearance here right. to denote that, that he borrows, uh, premises from Niebuhr as if they were conclusions of Niebuhr's about the how you can't do anything about the fact that the political world is corrupted in this way. And so Schlesinger is just going to argue that we need, in typical American, like, liberalist fashion, we need the best ventilating institutions that we can possibly create so that it doesn't turn into, like, you know, a Hobbesian social experience. Whereas Niebuhr is, goes deeper than that. And he's interested in not original sin as an inheritance, right, from Adam or whatever, but as something that describes human fallibility as it actually exists in the world. And that whether you're involving yourself in politics or not, you are a human being involved in the world. And so there's really no domain, religious, political, whatever, where you're not going to be engaged in that problem. So what you need are certain spiritual disciplines, the discipline against resentment, against both real politique and against pessimism and against optimism. And instead, you must cleave to your creator and understand that you are in solidarity with your fellow man only in terms of your own frailty and that that will keep the rancor from settling in to the body politic right i mean There's, it's already yeah. clear to me that like religious life in america is on the back foot even when he is writing so there might be some interesting things to say about whether that's useful opinion having or not but i think we can just sort of move that aside because as we'll get into in his influence on Martin Luther King, he does have an enduring impact on the shape of American culture and history. Right. And it's it, like, it's an idea we've seen before in this book reemerging as well, that there's the possibility mm-hmm. for conflict to be like, at least mediated in such a way that it's not like total war. Mm-hmm. And for Niebuhr, it was, I guess there is this idea, like, what do you do with conflict politically and like thus coercion on some level? Like, because if we all agreed, no one would be getting coerced. And that is maybe like the liberal teleology, like the liberal Protestant teleology is one day that will just kind of be the case more or less. Mm -hmm. 
And on the other side, which I thought was interesting is it's brought up like Galbraith's kind of idea, which has made the rounds sort of recently. Yeah. Yeah. Michael end of the countervailing force kind of theory where you're always going to have interests and they simply kind of need to balance out to some extent that there will be like a compromise situation that can obtain because one cannot fully dominate the political sphere such as between capital labor etc right we can see it as um an expansion and deepening if we one way to put it, uh, a corruption, if you're a strict constitutionalist, might be another way to put it, of certain American constitutionalist principles about balances, checks and balances of power. And Galbraith, Lind also are interested in the idea that labor will have a seat at the table. I mean, it seems clear to me these guys are like sort of looking, especially Lind, I don't know as much about Galbraith, sort of looking over their shoulder at like the Christian social Democrats in Germany and taking notes <laughs> right on the final <laughs> political constitutionalism exam and being like, yeah, labor really should have a seat at the table. 